If you didn't know, uh, South Park is back. <laughs> New episode aired tonight. Loved it. I mean, I love everything that South Park puts out. <clears throat> to kind of like promote the series, they had all of these orchestral reimagines, uh, reimagines, yeah, reimagines of. A lot of their most infamous songs, one of those obviously being Kyle's mom is a B or is a bitch or however you want to, <clears throat> however you want to say it. Also, they did the theme song and it was between, it was just like the theme song or Kyle's mom. And I was just like, oh, Kyle's mom easily. So kind of a short podcast here today. It's like. Every single time I have a podcast, they seem to destroy my voice, so I'm trying to uh, to last until the Super Bowl. But I thought that we would discuss this weekend and Jim Harbaugh and some corners. It's been like a week in the making. I haven't talked about corners yet. So, let's get started. Let's get started pretty, pretty fast, pretty quick, pretty easy. Jim Harbaugh, okay? Last night, lefty with um, how bad it would look. If the NFL essentially, um, if the NFL hired Jim Harbaugh before he even interviewed for his job, which um, we'll never know how close he was to getting hired in Minnesota. I have a feeling closer than what is being led on um, tonight. So what happened tonight? If you don't know, Jim Harbaugh did not get the job in Minnesota. Last night, it looked like he was definitely, like it was essentially drawn up in ink. Uh, unfortunately, the ink had not dried yet. But Jim Harbaugh flew out to Michigan, I think, today or yesterday to have the interview that was being held, I think, today. And it went on for like nine hours. I have no idea how a meeting lasts for nine hours. That just at that point, it kind of just seems like a waste of time. Went on for nine hours, and um, he did not get the job. He did not get the job whatsoever. In fact, it's Kevin O'Connell, or yeah, it is Kevin O'Connell. I thought it was Kevin O'Con O'Coley or something like that, but no, it is Kevin O'Connell. But Kevin O'Connell, he now got the job. He is now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He has to wait for the Rams to either win or lose the Super Bowl because he's playing. He can't just abandon his team and, you know, not coach for the Rams. He has to coach for the Rams. Then he can leave. So, Jim Harbaugh did not get the job. Interestingly enough, again, it looked like he did. And it looked like he was going to get the job relative to like the Raiders job, which I was just like, he's not going to get the job and he's not interested in the job. He apparently like was telling people goodbye yesterday. Like he was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. 
Deuces. She's like, yeah, I'm out. Then he <laughs> then he called Michigan today and said, hey, I'm back. A lot of Ohio State fans are very excited about that. Yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't get the job. He's back in uh, college where he will probably lose to Ohio State. I felt like he should have taken a job this year. I'm not going to lie to you. Because the whole regular season was predicated off of him beating Ohio State. You know, he still hasn't won a bowl game, I don't think, right? Only beat Ohio State one time. He has a losing record against winning teams, like a terrible losing record, like 2-13 and 13 or something like that. Not a very good head coach relative to, like, the standard of literally every other top-tier head coach in college. I was just like, yeah, he probably should leave college because um, it's going to look really, really bad when Ohio State with Jackson Smith and Ajigba and whoever else is the running back and C.J. Stroud walk up into into uh no 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 they don't even walk into uh into I was about to say Minnesota Michigan they're not even gonna have to walk into Michigan they're playing out at Ohio State C.J. Stroud remembers who's that guy Desmond Howard who's just like oh man Kenny Pickett is protecting you better than your offensive line did against Hayden Hutchinson and C.J. Stroud he was on that stage he was just like okay all right I hope he wins the Heisman next year, and I hope he, like, rubs it in their face. He was just like, I remember when Desmond was talking shit. I remember. I remember when Desmond was getting a little bit frisky. I hope he says that. I hope he always, I hope he ends it off with just, like, like um, by saying, like, last year, 2020, was, like, a weird year, and this year is back to, and th- this year in 2020, we're, 2022, excuse me, we're back to normal um, by beating Michigan or whatever. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not great at this stuff. But yeah, kind of one of the surprises of the night was Michigan's Jim Harbaugh not getting the job and having a walk with his tail between the leg between his legs back to Michigan. It is what it is. More specifically, oh maybe not it is what it is. It's way too like short sighted and way too nondescript. I mean, it kind of stunts Michigan's ability to advance. There's been better people that have talked about this. Hold on. Okay. I'm like, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm just like, I just, okay. I'm, I'm looking at the spoilers for the book of Boba Fett. I'm not going to spoil them obviously, but I did not realize that this is a, this is um a thing. Didn't realize it. I saw one video. I will not spoil it, but I just saw it. And I'm like, I haven't seen the book of Boba Fett yet. Just because um, I've been waiting for it to finish. So that way I can just binge it all at one time. But, you know, it is what it is. Sorry. Wait. I'm like, I'm like looking at some stuff here. Hold on. God. Okay, there's some pretty cool stuff that just got dropped. Really? Oh my God, there's so much stuff that just got dropped. Hold on. Yeah, oh my God, there's so much stuff that just dropped. Jesus Christ, about the book of Boba Fett? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. 
Oh my god. Alright, sorry about that. Um, Yeah, I just got a bajillion spoilers about... Oh my god, no. No fucking way. No way. No way. Yes, and you may be you may be saying like 24, can we just can we just talk about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan? Dude, I am knee deep in Boba Fett spoilers, okay? I'm knee deep. Oh my god! Ah! Sorry. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I just got a meme. Oh my god. Oh Jesus. Now I gotta watch it. It's so good. I'm like I'm just watching all these spoilers and I'm just like, oh god, now I gotta watch it. Sorry, Jim Harbaugh, right? Not head not the head coach of Michigan. He's gone. Adios. Or excuse me, not the head coach of Minnesota. He's back at Michigan. Michigan's gonna suck once again. They're gonna get their butt cheeks clapped by Ohio State. Maybe even Michigan State. We'll see. It's like their their only contentious matchup in rivalry. It's Michigan State. That's the only matchup that's like, oh, we can win, but also we lose as well. They get dominated by Ohio State. I can't wait for Jim Harbaugh and everybody at Michigan to shut up once again. Michigan fans are so obnoxious. Wow. Everybody complains about Cowboy fans. Michigan beat Ohio State one time, and they haven't let them live it down for like the last three to four months. It's just like one time in 10 years does not equate for uh, losing every other year, excuse me, every single year for the last 10 years. It's just like, shut up. Nobody cares. It's ridiculous. Anyways. God. I got the Washington. Let's just get this out of the way. The Washington commanders now. I still will probably refer to them on occasion as the Washington football team. Just because of, like, it sounds better than the Commanders. I was watching the, uh, what is it, the press conference. It was bad. It was really, really bad. I feel terrible for Julie Donaldson, who just came up, and she was so excited and all this other stuff. She's, like, the VP of um, of the media for Washington. She was just, like, so excited. She was so happy. She was just like, hey, guys, what's going on? Ready to ready to get the um the you know the unis out and all this other stuff and this part the audio by the way <laughs> the press conference is like a dichotomy of of Washington where it's just like the audio wasn't synced up there's like audible cracks and stuff like that speaking of audible cracks there's always audible cracks in my podcast but there it was just like it was just a production put on by Washington and I was just like oh my god this is <sighs> this is just terrible. It's just terrible. It's just like, I have a $100 microphone and free software. She's like, what's your excuse for having a bad <laughs> a bad press conference? Bad audible. And video. But like, this is... Oh, God. This is the part of the press conference where they actually introduce the uniforms. Listen to this. And commanders, everybody step up. Our new uniforms. Notice how there's not any applause. Hold on, let me back that up for you just a little bit. With honor, present to you the Washington Commanders. Everybody step up. 
our new uniform. <laughs> she has to, that's um, Dan Snyder, the owner's wife that was talking. She had to start clapping for everybody to start clapping. She's like, wow, that's, uh, that's not very good. What do I think of the uniforms? Um, I didn't even get a great look of them, to be honest with you, because the video that I saw of the uniforms were just like, I couldn't, I couldn't see the actual uniforms because they were like in some, I, I didn't get a clear shot. I didn't see Like, I got to look at, you know, the, I got to Google the uniforms. What do they look like? God. I already dislike them. <laughs> so it's just like one is like a black. Like, I don't know why they just didn't have the original unis. The original unis look really, really awesome. They have a black uniform. Which is just boring. It's just like, listen, man. Oh, my God. They didn't even do anything cool with the like their uniforms look so basic. You know, I like how they kept the numbers on the side of the helmets. But then it's just like, the is does the black helmet, is the black helmet the only one with numbers on it? Yeah, that's the only one with numbers on it. I actually like that. If you don't have a logo, just have the numbers. I love the numbers on the sides of the helmet. Oh my god, they have this like gradient color on the white uniforms, which it just looks terrible. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like they bleached part of the number. You know, the maroons look cool, but yikes. Um... Pretty uh pretty underwhelming stuff from one of the most underwhelming teams in the NFL. I liked their actual old unis. They're way better versus like whatever the fuck this uh this is. Yeah, their unif their old uniforms were way better. The numbers looked bigger. Probably because they were. Yeah, they were. Numbers were bigger. They had the numbers on the sides of the shoulder pads, which makes them look cool. I hate how every single team now has these dumbass like stripes on the sides of the uniforms. And it's just like, I like the numbers. Like, didn't the Patriots, didn't their old uniforms, they either had, I prefer either having the team logo or your number on the side of your jersey. I don't like how like dudes have on the sides of their jerseys, white stripes. It's just like, dude, like, I, like, I get it. I, I know, like, I know that's the colors. Who thought that it was a good idea for a uniform? I love the original OG Patriot uniforms where they had the silver stripe, the Patriots logo on the side, and then they had the players' numbers on like the collars or a little bit above the collar, really on uh, on top of the shoulders of the player. It, it, looks, it looks sleek. It looked cool. It's one of the most iconic jerseys ever. And then they got rid of the numbers and they put in this dumbass red and white swipe stripe. And I was just like, this is stupid. Put the numbers back on. Who did that? I don't like it. Like, you know what those jerseys remind me of? Those old jerseys? Winning. The new jerseys remind me of life without Tom Brady. Makes me sad. But yeah, Washington released their new jerseys and their new team logo. They're the Washington Commanders. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, I was about to say nobody cares, but Washington fans, they feel pretty passionately about it. Look, man, it's a team name. It doesn't matter that much. I don't care. I am talking about it. Because I think that it's like... I think that to some degree it's interesting and I care in that aspect, but 
the interesting aspect of like a team renaming itself, but I don't really care either way. They could have stayed the Washington football team and still been a pretty sleek looking football team. And um, they went with this kind of a semi bad rebrand if I'm God. Oh my God. Their helmets don't match. Wait, what? Yeah. I never realized how bad. Oh my God. Oh, oh, they, their helmets look really, really fucking bad. Okay. Quick, quick tip to anyone who's designing jerseys and uniforms for a football team. Never put the helmet in a matte finish. Okay. Never do that. It makes the helmet look bad. Makes it look bad. Especially with the white jerseys, the helmet looks really, really bad. And second of all, like, they have different helmets. They have different finishes on the helmets. Like, the black helmet is gloss. The red helmet is matte. It's like, what? That's stupid. Like, the dumbest thing ever. But, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Washington football team had a rebrand that... Pretty much their fan bases care about. I think the majority of people don't care about. I think the people are interested in it to see what would happen. But overall, um, people don't care. It's like, yeah, just rename yourself from being a racial slur to like anything else, please. Thank you. Okay. Let's talk about what happened this weekend. Didn't get to talk about it yesterday. Spent two hours talking about Tom Brady, Brian Flores, and Jim Harbaugh. Let's talk about the playoffs. I don't want to say that the events of the last 24 hours overshadowed, um, overshadowed, excuse me, the, you know, uh, you know, Tom, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the playoffs, but they kind of did, you know, Tom Brady's retirement, best quarterback NFL history, Brian Flores, um, suing the NFL, saw his law, uh, his lawyers today was, uh, he was on good morning America, saw his lawyers. I'm really interested to see the competency or the incompetency of your lawyer, right? Because you can learn a lot about how like a case will go based upon how competent or incompetent, how well-spoken your lawyer is. And uh, his lawyers were pretty, uh, pretty on the nose, right? They were pretty right up on the NFL and the uh, the lingo, the language. They were pretty, you know, um, informed and um, on the up and up on you know, what their case is trying to accomplish, how, when, where, why they were very familiar with the documents themselves. They seemed competent, like really, really competent. I don't know who these people are that he's hired. Yikes, he's hired some good lawyers. Let me tell you something. Just based upon the 58-page freaking um, lawsuit that got filed, plus the, um, plus the, uh, what was it? Plus the speech that they gave today. I was just like, yikes. And then they even brought up, I knew they were going to do this, and I talked about it yesterday. I knew they were going to bring up how the NFL was like, these merits, these claims are are baseless and without, are, are what is it? Are without base? I don't, I don't remember the, um, the NFL's thing. But they were like, these merits, these claims are without merit and are baseless accusations. And I knew that they were going to use that against them. And they did on CBS this morning. And I was just like, uh-oh, NFL, you are in trouble. Lawsuit probably won't get settled for years because that's just how law works. And, um, uh, excuse me, unless you have uh, a lot of money in your bank, you can't really drag on lawsuits, especially against people who have a lot of money. Brian Flores is a millionaire, so he probably can afford some of this. 
Depending, can he afford it? I don't know. I don't know his lifestyle. I don't know how much money he makes. But, you know, uh, his lawyers are probably like, oh, yeah, we can probably win some money. I don't know how much, but we'll kind of see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Good stuff all around. Let's talk about what happened this weekend. All right, finally. Let's talk about it. And then we'll talk about the draft and look at some mock drafts and things of that nature and talk about some of the uh, the stuff going on in the senior bowl. And then, peace and out. Okay? All right. So, Bengals versus the Chiefs happened this weekend. Joe Burrow beat the dog out of Kansas City. And, you know, last week when I watched the Bengals versus the Titans, I was just like, there is no reason why Joe Burrow should be getting sacked nine times outside of how terrible his offensive line is and how badly they played. Now, granted, the offensive line played better. I'm trying to see how many. Let me look up how many sacks. They allowed one sack. Great job, Kansas City. Check this out. Loud four. That's not good, especially considering that, like, all of their uh, – a lot of their big free agent acquisitions, Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown, are offensive linemen. Even uh, – uh, the big boy, Creed Humphrey. I forgot his name for like two seconds. I two seconds, excuse me. I would not shut up about him last year. But Creed Humphrey, he like like all those offensive linemen they got in the uh, in free agency and four sacks. And again, there were times where when I was watching that game, I was just like, okay, Creed Humphrey, not Creed Humphrey, excuse me, but um, Chris Jones, excuse me, the defensive tackle for the Chiefs. Like he's not getting to Burrow. He really isn't, you know? And I felt that um, kind of early on, I was just like, okay, like they're shutting down the Bengals offense, but they're not really pressuring and sat. Well, they're pressuring, but they're not sacking Joe Burrow. And I thought like that the major key to this game was stopping Joe Burrow. Because I thought that the defense wouldn't be able to stop Kansas City. And I was right for like a half. And then for some weird reason, Kansas City's defense or Kansas City's offense just stopped doing things. Just stopped playing offense. They were just like, hey, let's just have a day off. They partied like Jackson Mahomes. They were just like, let's form, so let's make some TikToks, put them on TikTok, and then let's peace out, right? So the Bengals, they just popped off, didn't allow any sacks, only allowed one. Joe Burrow felt, for the most part, way more comfortable against the Chiefs than against the Titans. And I felt that that was kind of the key of the game, and that's how they lost. And it was. It's relative to like next week, and it's just like, okay, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, only job, one job, stop Joe Burrow, left tackle sucks, right tackle sucks, uh, Jackson Carmen, the right guard is a rookie, if you want to match him against Aaron Donald, a rookie against Aaron Donald, unless they're just like the best guard, you know, in the NFL, which I don't think he is, he's kind of in trouble. Overall. Good performance by the uh, the Bengals. We actually costed the game, if you want to listen to it. But Bengals are kind of like... Bengals are in an interesting spot because... I mean, they're not in an interesting spot. They're in the Super Bowl, for Christ's sake. But the Bengals are like... They are very Joe Burrow reliant. The coach is bad. The offensive line is bad. The running game is like average to below average. It's very reliant on Joe Burrow. Defense, and I said it at the beginning of the Chiefs game. I was just like, if the Bengals can't somehow create turnovers, then the game's over with. Uh, I was just like, you may as well stop watching it. And I did because I was just like, there's just there's just nothing here for the uh, for the Chiefs, right? 
Except when Patrick Mahomes, I think, threw two interceptions, right? Yeah, he threw two interceptions. And they were both in the second half, right? One was in overtime and the other one was in, um, what was it? The other one was maybe in like the third quarter or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I remember, who was it? Who said it? Wasn't it like, somebody said this, who was like, it was a really, really smart thing to say. They were like, when Patrick Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, people were like, he's going to win like four Super Bowls in five years. And I kind of was on that train sarcastically. Like I wasn't, I didn't literally think he was going to win like five Super Bowls in the next four years. But I was just like, he's going to be essentially unstoppable. We have the new dynasty, right? They're the new Patriots. And then last year they lose to the Bucks, and then this year they really struggled this season, right? Like monumentally struggled in the uh, in the early parts of the regular season, and then kind of the past had caught up to them again, and um, in the playoff game in the second half of the season, where Patrick Mahomes kind of just disappeared. I was just like, oh, that's not good. I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs, but um, they got to figure some of this stuff out. Not soon. They got, like, Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the NFL for, like, 10 years, but still. I mean, I constantly say this about the AFC. There are so many really, really young quarterbacks in the AFC right now. Like, all of, like I don't know if you've noticed this, right? Let me, let me show you something here. All right? So, the NFC East has Dak Prescott in it, right? That's, that's the only quarterback probably besides maybe Jalen Hurts, depending on how his development happens. The NFC West has Kyler and Russell, and Matt Stafford. But beyond that, Tom Brady and Drew Brees retired in the NFC South. Matt Ryan is still there with the Falcons, but he doesn't have any help. And then the NFC North, depending on how Aaron Rodgers kind of plays out, like, depending on if he retires or if he leaves, like, the Packers are done, probably. And the NFC North is kind of like, they're kind of a joke. The NFC is wide open for whoever wants it, whether it's the Cowboys, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Niners, or anyone else who can find a quarterback, right? The AFC, check this out. These are all these are teams with quarterbacks that are under like 28. Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets, right? The entirety of the AFC East, right? Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and Zach Wilson. Chiefs, they have I think Derek Carr is over um 30 at this point or over 28, but the AFC West has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and then question mark at quarterback with the Broncos. They may draft one here this year, and we may talk about him. AFC North, Joe Burrow, Steelers, their quarterback just retired, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, right? And then the AFC South, uh, the Texans, Davis Mills, Jags, Trevor Lawrence, I think Carson is 28, and then Ryan Tannehill. So there's like, the point that I'm trying to make here is that the majority of the AFC has a quarterback meanwhile the majority of the NFC doesn't and my point has been that if you're the Chiefs you can't just like like the situation isn't what it was a couple of years ago where essentially it was hey you know we got Tom Brady to worry about in New England and we and if we beat him we get through him we're golden or in the case of well he just left and you know we just took over the conference uh, automatically you know just by default essentially but that's not like the case anymore. Like they don't automatically, excuse me, they don't automatically take over the conference. Now they actually have to go out 
and beat a team consistently like the Bengals, which they didn't. They lost twice this year against the Bengals. Like the reason why I picked against the Bengals was because they beat because they lost to the Bengals. So it's like you don't beat a team twice in the playoffs. Or excuse me, you don't beat a uh, a team twice in a regular season year if you face them in the playoffs, right? Like if you beat them in the regular season and then if you play them in the playoffs, you lose more times than not. So it is what it is with the Chiefs. They have a lot of pieces. They have Chris Jones. They have Patrick. They have Tyreek Hill. They, I mean, they, they have a better team, but they just foot off the gas, threw a late pick, let that door that door swung wide open for the Bengals to step their happy asses in and win the football game. 49ers at Rams kind of went somewhat the way that I thought it would with Matt Stafford making some plays and Jimmy Garoppolo kind of throwing the game away, but it was a lot closer than I thought, 17-20. And Matt Stafford came in super clutch once again. Late game drives, Aaron Donald was there, and he wrecked havoc in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter. He came came up and out clutch. It's just a great overall performance for the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Some people are going to say, well, the score was pretty low. And I would say, you know, hey, they're against one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. Deal with it. And they did. They won. They won. On to the Super Bowl. I had some notes about Matt Stafford. I just don't really care about him today. Let's talk about the draft here. So, if you've been on Twitter for like the uh, the last couple of hours, you may see a name is semi-trending. A name that I am very happy to report on. A name that I have been incredibly high on. A name that you, if you have been a longtime listener of the podcast, you will know this name. You will know this person because this person has been one of the people that I have lauded as one of the best quarterbacks in the next draft. You will know this person because, like, you will know this person because I've been high on this quarterback. I've been talking about this person for literally like six months, maybe five. It's Malik Willis. You know, because of the NFL's god-awful coverage of the um of the senior bowl i haven't been able to see all of his snaps but like everybody keeps on putting out like these really really awesome throws for malik willis if you don't know malik willis the quarterback out of liberty i have not shut up about him uh i was interested in and i was interested to see him play with top tier talent at offensive line at wide out if you don't know he plays for liberty liberty is not a good school to play football in but the um but the the talent, the accuracy, all that stuff is there. All the attributes of a NFL quarterback are there. And I was shocked when people were short selling him for God knows what reason. I I don't know. I don't know why they short sold him. But when I was watching him at the senior bowl and when I heard people talk about him, it was like everything that that I knew about him was confirmed about him. He was making plays in and out of the pocket. He was absolutely, you know, just he was I mean, there was this one play where he just ran past like all the defensive linemen 
and uh, or just not even ran through the defensive lineman, just ran through the entirety of the defense. It was ridiculous how awesome he was today specifically. And yesterday, he threw missiles, he threw strikes, he threw bombs. He was just throwing darts out there. And today is an interesting day today because it was rainy and windy. And the guys that struggled, struggled. Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pittsburgh, who I kind of didn't expect to struggle because, I mean, he plays in Pittsburgh. So you're just like, like, how's he struggling when he plays in a windy, cold, damp city? I, I don't understand. But he did struggle today. And Sam Howell apparently had a good day. I didn't, I haven't seen Sam Powell throw really at all because Sam Howell, like, Sam Howell, Sam Howell. I haven't seen him do anything today. But Malik Willis in the in the rain, in the wind, all that stuff showcased off how big of an arm he has. Also showcased off his athleticism. It was like watching uh like like a like a like a game that was just purely designed for him against top tier talent in the draft. And I was just like, ding ding ding, we got it. And so don't be surprised if you see it in the next probably couple of days to weeks. Malik Willis just shoot. Uh, people's draft boards because they're gonna go back and they're gonna be like, uh, mm, maybe we should uh, maybe we should reevaluate Kenny Pickett or not Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. Maybe we should uh, look back on Malik Willis. I had him as like a top ten player behind Kenny Pickett because I was like Kenny Pickett to me was a little bit of a more secure pick because I felt like I felt Malik was a little bit underdeveloped and I and I think the same thing of Kenny, but. Malik really, really showcased off what he's capable of doing as a running quarterback, as a mobile quarterback, as well as a quarterback with a big arm. I feel like Malik in like the next couple of months is just going to be like a top 10 to 5 pick. I was about to say a top 5 pick, but then I'm like, mm, maybe not. Like a top 10 to 5 pick. I think people are going to be like, well, if I do this with him, if I do that, then he'll be a great football player. Regardless. <clears throat> That's what happened today at the uh, the Senior Bowl, Malik Willis. It was the Malik Willis show. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome to be right. You know, it's funny. I usually am right about quarterbacks in the draft. It's funny how that works. It's like I said two years ago, I was just like, I like Justin Herbert over I, over Justin uh, Love. I don't think that just Jordan Love is like a top five player in the draft, as many people thought. And lo and behold, Jordan Love, after two years on the bench, cannot play the sport of football. Hmm. It's almost as if I knew that he didn't have the ability to, maybe not the ability, he does have the ability, but he wasn't a first round draft pick. And people were like, he's a top five player. I'm like, mm, you're wrong. <laughs> you are dead wrong. <clears throat> Also, I was right on guys like Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Was right about him and how he was just not ready to play the sport of football. Some people would be like, well, if <laughs> if Mac Jones, if he was on the Patriots, then he would play better. And it's just like, yeah, because the Patriots are a good football team. But make no mistake, he is not a good football player. It's like Cam Newton. It's just like, yeah, Cam Newton played better on the Patriots than on uh, on the Panthers. But that's because the Panthers suck and the Patriots are a good football team. What's your point? Player plays better on a better team? Like, the, like 
Yes. But is he a good player? No. No, he's not. Justin Fields is not a good player. Mac Jones is like average. He's like an average quarterback to like a good quarterback. He started to become like a good quarterback at the end of the season because the Patriots just started to push the the ball down the field a little bit more and they started to unlock some of their plays for him that I was just like, hmm, hmm, that's something that they didn't even call with Cam Newton. I was just like, oh, okay, that's cool. But yes, the, uh, the Patriots, Mac Jones, not Mac Jones, excuse me, but I was right about Mac Jones. I was right about Justin Fields. I'm, I'm, I'm right about this stuff. Anyways, um, that's kind of it for the quarterback talk. Kenny Pickett has been awesome as well, which again, if you follow the podcast, that's not a surprise. It's just everybody's like, whoa, all these guys that we were so down on and that we didn't really analyze them properly. All these guys. Oh, my God. I can't believe they're defying our crappy expectations and are actually performing pretty well. And it's just like, okay. It's like, you're surprised. I'm not. Go ahead. Watch some of his highlights. Watch some of Malik Willis' highlights. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. All right. Anyways, um, final thing I got for you today. I am tired for some weird reason. I don't even know why. Final thing I got for you today. I want to talk about cornerbacks in this year's draft. Now, I always say this. I always like to get like somewhere close to like 100 players, I think. I don't know. It's a lot of players. I get like maybe like 70 players or something like that. I get... Offensive tackles, offensive guards, slash centers. Defensive tackles, defensive ends, linebackers, corners, safeties, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. So that's like 11 positions. So yeah, I get a little bit over 100 players. I usually get 10 players per position and I can follow pretty closely in like the uh, the first round, I'll probably have somewhere close to like a hundred and fifty players at the rate I'm going. I have seen, I have watched a lot of college football on my own this year. I am far better prepared for the off season this year, and I'm far better prepared with um with just players in general this year as well. While also watching a position that I am incredibly weak on, that being offensive line. So. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the corners that are going to come out this year. I have seen all of the corners in one way, shape or another. in probably like the last couple of months, some of these corners, I actually like just learned about like somewhat a month ago and I've steadily kind of watched them as well. One of them trying to think of, Oh yeah. Derek Stingley. We've talked about Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU. Uh, awesome freshman year, terrible last two years. Um, like, it's it's weird, man. Because Derek Stingley had probably one of the best freshman years ever. Like, ever. But these last two years have just been like, I mean, they've been terrible. He's been hurt. He hasn't played well and performed well. And I mean, there's been, there have been games where he has just gotten cooked, man. The, div, uh, the Devontae Smith game in Alabama 
talk to me. What happened then? I mean, that was just, that was one of the most disgusting performances by a corner I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, he just literally could not stop Devontae Smith, ever. Couldn't stop him. Like, at all. Which was completely different from the previous year where he completely stopped and shut down Alabama's wide receiving core, wide receiver core. Which is why I'm, like, super concerned about Derek Stingley, but I just don't know where to put him. He's such a hard evaluation. I would have him as, like, my third or fourth corner at this point just because of just, like, I have seen him get absolutely destroyed in some of these games, man. Like, oh my God, I cannot believe this guy just got absolutely obliterated consistently. Like, it's one of these things that I'm just, I'm so paranoid about where I'm like, I don't want to select Eric Stingley because I just don't trust him right now. Maybe in a year or two, depending, maybe in three years. I'm fine being wrong about Derek Stingley. I really am. He's such a hard evaluation. I don't know if he's going to show up. I don't know if he's going to be the freshman year when he plays football professionally. I don't know. But I'm fine being wrong about Derek Stingley. He could be like one of the better corners in the NFL in the next three years, or he could just be like an overrated football player who had one great year in college. And it wasn't even like his last year in college to show improvement. It was like his first year. I don't know. Derek Stingley, weird player. Andrew Booth Jr., I really, really like. Corner out of Clemson. Really, really sticky. Really, really awesome interceptions as well. Like these Odell Beckham Jr. one-handed interceptions. They are incredibly weird. Nice ball skills. I rem- I forgot what game. Was it the Northwestern? Not the Northwestern. The North Carolina game I think I saw where he just had a fantastic day. He just, like... He, he is similar to Trevon Diggs in the sense of, like, he gets his hands on the ball and he's probably faster. Like, way faster and he's better in a lot. Not better in a lot of coverages, maybe, but he's great in a lot of different coverages. I was kind of shocked when Daniel Jeremiah put him as, like, a second-round draft pick. I was just like, mm, that's kind of incorrect. But Andrew Booth Jr. is a really, really awesome corner. Um, one name that you're not going to hear that I just watched because I watch a lot of Alabama Jalen Armour Davis. Really bad corner. Really bad corner. Uh, whenever teams attack into Alabama, or more specifically attacked into Alabama last year, he was the guy that they went after. Which is kind of shocking because usually Nick Saban has great corners to good corners, and he was really, really bad all around. He's entering the draft, and I think people had him early in the season as like a second-round draft pick, and now he's just completely fallen off of people's boards to like, I don't even think he's like in the top two to 300 players in certain people's drafts. Let me look. Let me see this. Where is it? Defense, corners. Where's Jalen Amar Davis, right? Yeah, Jalen Amar Davis. He is, excuse me, he's like, he's a third round, borderline a fourth round draft pick. He's ranked 135th on Pro Football Network's um, draft board. Also, by the way, I don't know who this guy is that, um, that, um, 
that Daniel Jeremiah was watching? Kyler Gordon? I haven't seen him at all. But I watched Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Washington, a guy that a lot of people have been super high on. Let me tell you something. Um, let me tell you something. By the way, shout out to Pro Football Network because uh, me and them are in the exact same line of thinking of like Andrew Booth Jr. is like a top 10 player as well as like Ahmad Gardner. He's hanging around 14 right now. I remember, again, Daniel Jeremiah had Andrew Booth Jr. as like a second round draft pick and I was like, incorrect. Incorrect. Anyways, um, what was I talking about? Trent McDuffie, corner out of Washington. I don't remember what game I watched, but I remember watching like one of his games where I was just like, he's okay. He's not great. He's all right. It was like one of his last games. I forgot what game it was, but I remember like watching. Do I have the game? I remember watching the game to exclusively watch him play. And I remember coming away from that game being like, I don't think he's a first round draft pick. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. Yeah, I don't have the game. I deleted it. It's like over two months, by the way. It's over two months old. But yeah, I mean, Trent McDuffie to me is kind of an overrated corner probably mid to late second round early third rounder right now is where I would probably have him slotted in and um, pro football network had him had him um, like I think in the 20s a week or two ago and now he's like sliding out of the uh, the first round and for anybody that like is wondering like why are players sliding it's probably because they haven't evaluated certain players and then compared and contrasted them to other players as well. So if you're wondering, it's just like, well, why was Trent McDuffie, um, why was Trent McDuffie like in the 20s a week or two ago, and now he's you know in the 30s, he's 37th overall. It's probably because they haven't gotten to all of his games and the in more specifically the games that kind of make him look bad. So yeah, he's probably a mid to late second round draft pick. I mean, he gets beaten like a lot, like a lot more than you would think. What was the game that he played against? The thing that sucks about trying to watch players is that there's players, or not there's players. Oh, yeah, and he's 5'11". So he's, like, right around that that spot. I remember when I watched him, I was just like, he's 5'11". He's not, like, he doesn't look big. He's, like, 195. Eh, I don't know. Now I'm kind of over-evaluating him. Let me show you something. When was the last game that I saw? I think it may have been either Washington State or Colorado that I saw. He got torched. Torched in some of these games, man. Like it was really, really bad. So, Trent McDuffie. Um... I was about to say good player. But then like something stopped me. Like he's a good college player. I don't know if he would be a good NFL player. I think he may. I think he would. I think he needs work. I think he needs work. 
like a lot of work before he gets anywhere um, in the NFL. One guy that doesn't really need a lot of work is Kyra Alam, the corner out of Florida. This guy, when I watched him, I think I saw the Alabama game again. This guy, and, and you know, it's funny. Kyra Lamb and Roger McQuarrie had like their career games against Alabama. Like Roger McQuarrie kind of shut down um, Mechie, John Mechie. And like Kyra Alam is a really, really solid in phase corner. Like he just gets hip to hip with guys running, chasing them downfield. Both these guys are like great at staying in phase. I was like, when I saw both of these guys play, I was kind of just like, like, who's this Roger McQuarrie guy? Who's this Roger McQuarrie guy? Right? And then I watched him play and I was like, oh, that's him. <laughs> that's him. Super, hold on, let me um, let me try and find Kyra Alam before I get on Roger McQuarrie. I think they're both first round corners. Or if they're not, they're like steals in the second round. Let me try and find this this guy. Kyra Lamb. Hold on. This is 2021. Where is it? Oh yeah. I was um it was the um what was it? It was Jameson Williams and John Mechie who Kyra Lamb just like put hand clamps on. Or try to remember, was it? Was it um I can't remember. I'm like, was it? Yeah, I think it was. I was like, did he run? Or not run, excuse me, but did they run routes? Yeah, yeah, they did. Never mind. Sorry. I'm I'm having to like remember some of the games or whatever. I'm like. But yeah, Roger like not Roger McCreary, excuse me. Kyra Alam had a really, really, really awesome game against Alabama. And I think this was the game that like went down to the wire, or it was like a little bit kind of like it was a little bit iffy um, at the top of the game. It's kind of like, ooh, is Alabama like, what? Like, why is that Alabama kind of struggling here? It was because of Kyra Lamb. As I try to follow, or not follow, but try to get their 2021 season. It was Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get it now. Where is it? Yeah, it was, th- it was 31 to 29. Like a really, really choppy game. And I remember watching that game because I remember it because it almost went into overtime. And I think Alabama had like a late, a late game inning drive and all the fans were in the stands. It was like one of the, uh, the first games of the season. So everybody was there and you could feel the deflation as like Bryce Young led the game winning drive. I I may be wrong about that, but I remembered, I kind of remember the cliff notes, but yeah, like Kyra Lamb had a great game. He was awesome in it. Roger McQuarrie had a great game as well. I'm trying to remember the game where like Alabama's it was um I was trying to remember like the game plan where Alabama just ran the football out of defense and I remember it wasn't Florida or um Auburn. It was Cincinnati who they just were like Brian Robinson just run, right? Which is why I was a little which is why I was like so confused on like did Kyra Lamb or Roger McQuarrie lock up or did neither one? I got a burp hold on. Excuse me. I was like confused as to like why I was like, I was misremembering. I, again, I watch a lot of football. The wires cross from time to time, right? But 
it was Cincinnati who Alabama ran the football against, which is kind of why like Jamison Williams statistics are a little bit off. Not necessarily because Ahmad Gardner and uh, Kobe Bryant did like a great job. It's kind of a hard evaluation that game because he didn't, they didn't throw the football a lot in that game. But these games, Florida versus Alabama and Auburn versus Alabama are legit. And the two corners that did a, an immaculate job on uh, Jamison Williams and John Mechie, Kyra Lamb, and Roger McQuarrie. Kind of look out. Also, by the by, Roger McQuarrie has had a pretty solid uh, senior bowl. The NFL network will just not show me corners working. They'll just show me offensive linemen mashing into one another over and over and over again. And then they'll have these dumbass interviews, and then they'll have a bajillion... And like freaking interviews or excuse me, conference, um, not conferences, advertisements. It's just like, guys, I'm just here to watch football. I'm just here to watch football. That's it. That's it. I'm just here to watch football. I'm not here for, for a TV show. I'm here to watch football and to try and evaluate games, right? Just if you like, just release all the footage on the internet or just stop doing Whatever this this god awful thing is, I don't know what it was, but yes, Roger McQuarrie, Kyre, Kyre, I think that's how you say his name. Alam, really, really awesome corners, like first round corners. At least in my opinion, not just because of the Alabama game, but for other games as well. I'm trying to remember what corner that I watch as well. Who's like a terrible tackler. I think it was Roger McCreary. I think. I don't know. Who was it that I watched? I mean, Derek Singley isn't a great tackler, but I can't remember who I watched. It may have been Roger McCreary. I think so. Like, it was obvious how bad Roger McCreary. I think it was Roger. Because it was really, really obvious. Because I was just like, man, this guy doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses to his game. And then I saw him try to <laughs> try to tackle, and I was just like, Oh, he can't tackle. But let me tell you something about Kyra Lamb. Big physical corner. This guy actually can tackle. He can actually, like, like one of the most important reasons why corners, like, maybe not important, but, like, one of the reasons why screen games are, like, so effective in the the NFL, excuse me, is that corners can't tackle. Which, usually, you didn't need to have to tackle as, like, a corner. But now you kind of do because of how many screens. And if if you get off your block or your one-on-one with a, um, a wideout and you miss your tackle, or not even miss your tackle, but, you know, you're in coverage and you're one-on-one and he, you know, and, and you try to ankle tackle him, it's not necessarily going to be a pretty thing. Just saying. Yeah, Kyra Lamb, he will stand dudes up. How? He, you know, long-rangey, dangerous corner. He looks... Maybe 205, Kyra Lamb. He's one of my favorite corners. I'll say that. He's one of my favorite corners. Long, rangy. He fits the mold, right? Big hands. Can swat the ball away. How big is he? Yeah, he's six foot two, 196. He looks like he's 205. He looks like he look, he's a big ass dude, man. He is a big ass dude. You know, you want your corner to be six one, six feet, maybe six two. Because that's the uh, the size that a wide receiver is, and you wanted you want to make sure that a 
you know, that a corner can match the agility of a wide receiver. And Kyra Alam, he definitely can in coverage, and he has. He's And he can stay in phase with the fast guys as well, and he'll get hands on you and all that good stuff. And, I mean, he's always around. He's all, I don't want to say he's always around the ball, but he's always around the play. Some people are going to be like, duh, he's a corner. He's in coverage, and it's just like, I mean, he's always making plays. I like Kyra Alam. I like him a lot. Talked about Trent Duffy, Roger McCreary, Jalen uh, Jalen Armour Smith, Andrew Booth Jr. Let me talk about the Mac, the Mac Daddy, the big boy, my favorite corner or one of my favorite corners besides Andrew Booth Jr. and probably Kyra Lamb. This guy out of Cincinnati, easily the best corner in the draft. Easily the best corner. I. I'm confused as to why there is deliberation. I'm also semi-confused as, as to why people are like, he's not a top 10 pick in the uh, the draft. Or in some cases, why he's like falling out of the top 20. I'm, I'm very confused. <laughs> I'm very confused. That corner is Ahmad Gardner. The corner out of Cincinnati who has just been fantastic. He's He's been that dude. He's been He's been immaculate. He's been immaculate. He's probably been the best corner um, in the um, in college. I'm so interested. I'm interested to see how all these guys are going to test because corners speed matters. Speed matters so much. I'm interested to see what Kyra Lamb runs. Mod Gardner. They got to run like they got to run to be like a top ten pick. They got to run like four low four fours easily. Sub four fours really is what you want, but low four fours. But we'll see what happens. Um. Ahmad Gardner is kind of another Patrick Sertan type of guy, but he has better ball skills. He has really, really great ability to stay in face and to be super, super sticky with whoever he's guarding. And he doesn't have like the tech, the technician, the the technicalities, right? The mechanics of like a Patrick Sertan. He doesn't have necessarily the experience. I think Patrick was playing that position for like, Two, almost two decades, really, since he was like a little kid. And you can see that experience and that development as a player over the course, you know, of 10 plus years playing the position versus like Ahmad Garner, who may have been playing it for like five, six, maybe seven years. But it's still really, really, really clean tape, clean footage, whatever you want to call it. It's still really, really awesome tape. There was so many games and like a couple, I forgot what end zone interception were just, I mean, he was just squared up. He was just hip to hip. He just didn't bite on a double move, and he picked off. I don't remember what quarterback, but I remember it was like an end zone interception, and he just made a play on a football that I do not think Patrick Sertan could have made when he was in college. It was awesome. It was really, really awesome. The Alabama game, he didn't play badly. They just didn't attack into him. Brian Robinson had a bajillion yards against <laughs> Cincinnati's defense so they were just like yeah we don't even need to go into your best defensive player why would we and they beat the dog out of they beat the um they got beaten the dog out of by Alabama I mean it is what it is but Amon Garner to me you know what if you ask me right now I think he runs a 4-3 blazingly fast blazingly fast guy but I don't know We'll see. We'll see. 
But Mod Garner, I mean, that's that's probably my number one corner as of right now, as of today. Like a top 10 pick. Or, like on the flip side of that, it's like Andrew Booth Jr. To me, at least. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'm tired. Um, we'll probably take a break on Friday, and I'll give you game day predictions tomorrow. And then I'll come back Monday. And then we'll talk about the Senior Bowl Saturday, and then I'll come back Monday for, like, Super Bowl week. Okay? Okay. Uh, we'll cover it. We'll cover all that good stuff tomorrow. I'm tired. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll, 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 I'll have some stuff prepared. Anyways, I'll see you tomorrow. 24th podcast.